Hallelujah. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. That's what we're going to do right now in the name of Jesus. We invite the wind of the Holy Spirit to come and undergird everything that we're doing right now. We open our hearts to the King of Kings. We open our spirits wide. We shut out the world. We're going to step into the secret place together. We're not taking the junk of the world with us where we're going to go in the next few minutes. We're leaving that all behind at the foot of the cross. Disappointments, anxieties, worries, cares. Leave it at the cross in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He came to carry your cares and your worries. And he wants us to step into his presence right now unhindered. If there's any bitterness in your heart, let it go. If there's any self-pity in your heart, let it go. If there's any depression, let it go. If there's any anger, let it go. Let it go. Let it go so that he can flow. Oh, hallelujah. God is looking to purify his people. He's looking to inhabit our praise. He wants to do something new. Not like what we're used to do, as good as that would be. God's very grateful for the past, but he's more concerned about the present and your future. Come, Holy Spirit, visit your people. We open ourselves to your move in our lives. We give you permission to do whatever you want in these days. We're not going to make something happen. We're just going to open ourselves to let you do what you want to do, how you want to do it, Lord. We're not going to dictate to you what you should be doing and how you should be doing it, but we do want to be open. Why don't you just shut your eyes and open your hearts? I see caterpillars turning into butterflies in this new move. I see caterpillars turning into butterflies in this new move. That's right. He's going to put you in a cocoon of the Holy Ghost. And he's going to hide you in, his, in the palm of his hand. He's going to hide you and shield you by his glory. And while he does that, he's, there's going to be a process of heart transformation and some of us according to this illustration that I believe I've just been given some of us have been acting like caterpillars crawling walking and the ugliness of life and the ugliness of sin has kept us to the ground but the Holy Spirit wants to transform us to bring out the beauty that is in our spiritual genetics. A caterpillar is just a butterfly untransformed. Hallelujah. 
And God is going to take us from glory to glory. He doesn't want you to stay as you are. But He wants a transformation in your life in these days that is as powerful and as drastic but as as different as a caterpillar is to a butterfly isn't it amazing that a caterpillar is simply a butterfly untransformed where you are right now compared to where the Lord wants to take you is where a caterpillar is compared to where the Lord wants to bring that beauty and let that butterfly fly And the thing about a caterpillar is it's a tough old thing crawling along, eating the leaves. It's a tough old thing. It doesn't have much finesse. It doesn't have any beauty. But imagine what that caterpillar feels when that transformation takes place and it begins to emerge. Opens its wings. And the sun begins to dry them. And then this delicate, sensitive creature that's so beautiful, there's no longer crawling around on the ground, but it's flitting and flying. And as soon as that butterfly rises, well, the wind just takes it wherever it wants. Because the butterfly is such a butterfly, wings like paper. The breeze takes it wherever it wants. Breeze takes caterpillar nowhere. Breeze takes the butterfly everywhere. And if you're a gentleman here tonight, don't be put off by the picture of being a butterfly. Because it's what God is saying to us. Just translate it. Don't you want to be a butterfly? Don't you don't want to be a caterpillar? crawling along you want to be up there in your beauty of spirit free and just being just spreading your wings and just the wind taking you wherever the wind wants to take you you don't know where you're going you don't know what's going to happen but the Bible says such are those that are born of the spirit they're like the wind. The wind blows them whatever way it wills. Nobody knows where they're going because it's one great adventure of the Holy Spirit. In these days, we refuse to dictate to the Holy Spirit what renewal is, what revival is, what His move is. We refuse to take the revival models of the past and say, this is how you're going to do it, Lord. We refuse to rush into the new move. The new move is not about rushing. It's about waiting. Hallelujah. I said the new move is not about rushing. It's about waiting. It's not about making something happen. It's about waiting on the Lord. It's not about things happening. It's about God and your heart and my heart. Hallelujah. It was a beautiful, healing, refreshing. And we just got to get the blocks out of the way. Get in that spiritual cocoon. Let God do His work of transformation. Oh, hallelujah.
God is doing miracle work in your lives. Do you know what? All we need to do is humble ourselves and resist the devil and resist all works of evil and resist bitterness and resist judgmentalism and resist these things so that the Holy Spirit can flow in our lives. It's time to turn from sin so that we can be transformed. Do you know what? Turning from sin is a wonderful thing because you turn from sin to grace. God is going to change you. You are, you, you are going to be different. If only you believe, just believe in the new move. Whatever it is, however it comes, whatever he wants to do. It's all about God. Oh, hallelujah. Could you know his name is Yahweh? Yahweh. Do you, do you know what that word Yahweh or Jehovah means? It was God's revelation. God's revelation. Moses said, oh, who are you? Who shall I say sent me? And God says, I'll tell you who you can say sent you. I am whoever I am. That's who sent you. Well, what do you mean, Lord? I am who I am, when I want, to whom I want. I am whoever I want to be. I am. You can't define me, Moses. You can't stick a label on me. I am the Lord. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Stop trying to dissect the Lord. Stop trying to dissect the Lord. Stop trying to make him what he isn't. Just, 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 just be in awe. God is God. He is who he is. And he won't take any lessons from us on who he is or what he does. He can do whatever he likes, whenever he likes, however he likes. And he does. Oh, glory to God. It's time to blow your mind from tiny thinking from blinkered seeing you think you know the Lord you've hardly begun these are just the outskirts these are just the fingertips of who he is that we've experienced in those days God wants to take us deep Yahweh he wants to be worshipped not just sung to I'm not saying that you do. I'm just saying he doesn't. He, he doesn't. He doesn't want you to be saying, singing the words while your mind is on television, or singing the words while you're thinking about something. He wants your attention, and he deserves it. Hallelujah, Father. Bring back wonder, awe, and fear. Fear. Bring back the fear of the Lord, Holy Spirit, because it's clean. And there's a lot of unclean, unfearing Christians today that have made you in their own image. They've learned to call you Daddy, thank God. But they've yet to call you Yahweh. Set you free and set you loose, Lord, in our lives as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to worship the Father. We're going, to, we're going to worship Him as Yahweh, that song Yahweh. And as we do that, 
We're believing for a transforming work in our hearts, this operation of the Spirit in our lives. We're expecting, we're believing, and we are going to fill our worship to Yahweh, and we're going to call him Yahweh and let him be who he wants to be, whoever he wants to be, that's who he is, and we're going to take the lid off God. We're going to take off our limitations, and we're going to set God free in our lives like a roaring lion. Hallelujah. Let's worship him. Amen. Yes, Lord. Our God, he lives forever. He reigns in power and Bow down before him, for he is exalted. We look to Yahweh, Yahweh, forever Yahweh, Yahweh.
those tongues begin to praise him. As the Holy Spirit leads you, not your normal tongues, a new tongue. Let's let it go. Step into the spirit of his promise. Yeah, glory. Oh. Let's keep praising him. Just let it flow. Don't push it, but let it flow out of you. We're not pushing something tonight. We're letting it flow. So we're not pushing. We're not breaking through. We're letting it flow. Letting it flow from our innermost being. To just let it flow. Let it bubble up. Let it bubble out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. his glory to fall do you want his glory to fall like in those ancient days God wants us to become an axe church a church of Pentecost hallelujah that's the model oh hallelujah Lord let your glory fall as on that ancient day Songs of enduring love And then your glory came And presence like a cloud As on that ancient day The priests were overwhelmed Because your glory You are good. 
to come out uh, to the front just keep playing the song and uh, if you feel led God is going to do something transformative in your life he's going to do it in all of our lives but there's some of you that need the laying on of hands it's not that the person is anything that lay, lay that, that, that lays hands on you but what it is is that the laying on of hands transmits the anointing of the house. The laying on of hands transmits the message. The laying on of hands is part of the ABCs of the Christian faith. And I especially want to speak to you to come out that I haven't had someone lay hands on you in prayer for a long time. There's some of you, you love it. You come out every day. You come out all the time. That's great. But there's some of you you're so self-contained <laughs> at times that you would, well, I don't know if you've come out this year to be prayed for. And someone would say, well, I don't need hands to be laid on you. Well, why is it part of the essential doctrine of the laying on of hands? And also, sometimes it takes humility to come out and have someone pray for you. I've already said, it's not the person, it's the ordinance of laying on of hands. As long as the person's born again and spirit-filled, it's not, it's not them. And the Lord is speaking to some of you that haven't had hands laid on you for a long time. And the reason, part of the reason is you're not sure that you need to. He's just asking you to humble yourself. There's going to be a lot of humbling in this coming move. But that's not a bad thing. Not if we humble ourselves. Because then God doesn't have to humble us. How many know? How many have learned? It's far better to humble yourselves than be humbled. Amen. And uh, there's going to be a lot of humbling going on in this move of God. So let's humble ourselves before Almighty God so that He will lift us up. Because I'm telling you, if we don't humble ourselves, 
God's going to put his foot on our neck and place us on the ground until we're humble. Why? Because he wants to transform us. And God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I don't know about you, I need grace. Hallelujah. So we're going to sing that song again. And while we're pressing into the Lord, well, pressing in is the wrong word, while we're waiting on the Lord, it's all about Him. This move is about the Lord, by the way. It's not about us. It's about giving Him His due honor and respect and worship. It's about loving Him. It's about Him. And we'll get blessed on the way. But that is a byproduct. This move is about the glory and honor of the Lord. Amen. So we're going to sing that song again. Those of you, it's, it's open to everybody. We've got time tonight. It's open to everybody. If you, get your, if you get hands laid on you every day, you can come out. But especially, and you know God's speaking to you. Those of you, you can't remember the last time you got hands laid on. When you do that, God's going to release something into your life. He's going to release a working because of your obedience. We're going to worship the Lord again. As that happens, feel free from this moment to come out and have hands laid upon you. We're not praying for needs right now. We're praying for an impartation of God's new move. Amen. Lord, let your glory fall. we got time tonight, friends. Wait on the Lord. Songs of enduring and then your glory came. And as a sign to you that we would love the same, our hearts will sing that song. God, let your glory come. For you are good, you are good. Your love endures. You are good. You are good. And your love endures. You are good. You are good. And your love endures today. Oh, good, you are good. You are good. And your love endures. Joined by the instrument, your presence like a cloud upon that ancient day. The priests were overwhelmed because your glory came.
Now, whatever you do, I don't mind you sitting in the congregation, but I do mind if you begin spectating, thinking about Monday, thinking about other things. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. This is God time. This is God time. There's no spectators. There's only participators. Hallelujah. This is your time. So I don't mind you sitting, but I, I want to see God all over you. I want to see you opening up and doing business to God up there in the balcony. Up there in the balcony. I want you to open your hearts right where you are, right what you're doing. I want, I, want, I want you to participate. That's right, I can see it now. I want you to open your hearts in the balcony. And I want you to do business. I want you to speak to the Lord. Let him speak to you. Let him touch you. Spectators are not allowed in this building tonight. They can go and see the end of the Olympics. People are meeting with God in this place. And one of the things that we're going to learn is how to wait on the Lord again and keep connected to him. Don't lose your connection. We're going to sing again. Let's use, if you've lost your connection, if you've just faded out and got into spectator, spectator mode, don't worry. We've got a song for you that will get you right back connected with him this evening. Lord, I am thirsty. Thirsty for your presence, Lord, I'm hungry, hungry for your word, Lord, I need you more than ever, more than this world can give. You are the fountain, the well of living water. You are our portion, daily bread of heaven, Lord, I need you more than ever, oh, more than this world can Let's sing it again together. Lord, I am thirsty tonight. Lord, I am thirsty, thirsty for your presence, Lord, I'm hungry. Hungry for your word, Lord, I need you more than ever, more than this world can give. You are the fountain, the well of living water, you are our portion, the daily bread of heaven, Lord, I more than ever, oh, more than this world can give. 
take your seats. Those that are being prayed for, finish praying for those that need to be prayed for, um, but the rest of you can take your seats. I've got a word I want to bring to you tonight. There's been some impartation taking place. This is just the beginning. We can't have everything God wants in one night. This is going to be something that over the weeks and months builds and strengthens and uh, patience. But I've got a word I want to bring you tonight from 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and uh, we're going to be looking at the great prophet Elijah, or maybe not so great prophet, <laughs> as we're about to find out. Now, just while you're turning to 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to read together in a few moments. 1 Kings chapter 18 is just amazing, full of glory and power and revival and God's God just being Yahweh, as he, you know, who He wants to be, when He wants to be, to whomever He wants to be. And if you know 1 Kings 18, it's the massive chapter, Elijah, right there at the top of his anointing. You know the story, how he called down revival fire on, uh, on, on the sacrifice. Remember all those prophets of Baals? And they, they had their sacrifice, and God said, and, and, and Elijah said, let the God who's, who's real answer by fire. Do you remember that? That's in 1 Kings 18. And Elijah was so full of faith, he, he, he wanted the revival fire to be totally from God. So they poured gallons and gallons and gallons of water on his sacrifice. The prophets of Baal had no power. The fire of God fell, and the, uh, the, the fear of the Lord came on the people, and the false prophets were dealt with. And then if that was not enough, we also find that in verse 41 of chapter 18, Elijah hears the sound of rain and begins to pray and breaks the drought through his prayer. 
And James speaks about this powerful time that Elijah, who was a man just like us, and we're going to come back to that, we're going to see that. Elijah is a man just like us, James said, prayed and there was no rain, and prayed and there was rain. So we've got the fire falling. We've got the outpouring of the rain on a dry and thirsty land. These are pictures and illustrations and images of how revival comes. Revival comes like fire, and revival also comes like rain. The latter rain was poured out on the day of Pentecost, but also tongues of fire came. John said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. So we see these pictures of two types of revival anointings, the fire anointing and the rain anointing, both born supernaturally. The fire was supernatural fire from heaven, and the rain was supernatural rain born out of prayer. So he is at the top of his game. And then we get to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we get to see he's human after all. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals with a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. This is an incredible story. No wonder James, when he tells us about the fact that that Elijah is an example for us because he prayed fire down from heaven. He prayed to stop rain and there was no rain. And then he prayed for rain and there was rain. But then he says, and he's a man just like, as you see, James, the brother, half-brother of Jesus, he had read chapter 18, but he'd also read chapter 19. 
And in chapter 19, we see the humanness of Elijah for us all. I mean, without chapter 19, you, you would think that Elijah was some sort of superman, superhero. He should be in that series called Heroes uh, with the things that he could do. He had power to fire and power for rain. Well, it wasn't his power. It was God's power. But if you just left there, you, you'd be reading things. Well, there you go. Another incredible man of God. Can't really relate to that. I mean, he was on top of his game all the time. He was on top spiritual form all the time. But thank God for chapter 19. Because all that Elijah had done in 18, and then, no offense, but a woman. I said no offense. I'm talking about Elijah in the days ancient Near East, okay? But no offense, but a woman. Not a great general. Not even a great demonic prophet of Baal. But a woman says, sends a message saying, this time tomorrow, your dog meat. And what does Elijah do? He says, I'll pray down fire. I'll sort you out. I'm going to, I tell you, did he do that? No. It says when he saw what was going to happen, he arose and ran. And he kept running. And then he was running, he met his servant in Beersheba, and he took one look at his servant and kept running. And remember, he had just ran beforehand by the hand of the Lord. In 46, he was running by the anointing of God to deal with this false prophet woman, Jezebel. So he ran under the anointing, but then he ran back from fear. Fear was upon him. He just kept going. He just kept going. He was full of fear. And then he finds a juniper tree, lays down and says, it's over. And he says a weird prayer. He says, Father, he says, Lord, take my life. Well, I thought he was running to save his life. If he wanted to die, he should have just stayed there and let Jezebel do it. But the poor man didn't know what was going on. He had spiritually fainted. Spiritually fainted. There is a st such a thing as spiritually fainting, you know. I mean, Galatians chapter uh, 6, can't remember the exact, actually I've got it written down here. Galatians chapter 6, 9 says that you will reap, Christian was speaking during the offering, you will reap if we faint not, in the old King James, new version says don't lose heart. But I like faint not. In other words, Galatians saying keep on keeping on. Don't give up. It might seem hard. It might seem like you're not getting your breakthrough, but don't faint. Wouldn't it be terrible if you were running the marathon and you'd nearly crossed the line and 10 yards before the line, you fainted? All that running for nothing. And, and Paul in Galatians is saying, don't give up. Don't stop doing good because nothing's happened yet. Don't faint because if you don't faint, you will get the breakthrough. But if you do faint, you might not get it. And Elijah had spiritually fainted. What does that mean? It means that he, his, his whole uh, link to the Lord, he had a power cut. Let's put it that way. Not that you can talk about the Holy Spirit like electricity, but I am. But you know what I mean. He had a Holy Ghost power cut. And it wasn't the Holy Ghost's problem. 
He was moving in the power. He had the current of God's anointing. And that anointing was contacted by his faith. And as long as he had faith in the Lord and the Lord's character, the current of anointing flowed through him and he had the power to deal with whatever he had to deal with. But then, as soon as fear came in, and unbelief took over, there was a power cut, and just like power cuts in normal life, the lights went out. The lights went out. The anointing seemed to go out. He was no longer plugged in to the anointing by faith, but he pulled his finger out, and now he was panicking, and he fled, and he got to that place. But let me tell you something. If we're talking about new moves, which we are, then we have to think about old moves and new moves because God is always progressing. One of the great things in Colin's first word in the, in, in the revival times, if you don't have one, pick one up on the way out because it, it's the prophetic move that Colin speaks about. And Colin talks um, uh, about the waves coming on the shore and that each move of God isn't totally separated from what happened before but builds on what happens before and takes it further. Just like the tide coming in, you know? The tide doesn't just come in like this, does it? The tide comes in like this, doesn't it? And that's what the moves of God do. You say, well, I, I'm a new Christian. I haven't been in the other moods. Don't worry. They're all wrapped up in this and more. They're all wrapped up in this and more. Now, Elijah, illustratively, there was the revival fire. There was the revival outpouring of rain, if I can use that phrase. But now, there's going to be a deep revival, a deep revival, a heart revival, and it's going to play, take place under a tree and then ultimately in a cave. And for me, this is figuratively about the aspect of what God is going to be doing amongst us in these days. There'll still be the fire, there'll still be the rain, but this is as Colin said, a deeper thing. It's a heart thing. It's not just about the fire that gets the sin out and the fire that brings the holiness and the fire that falls. It's not just about the water that brings the blossoming and provision of a dry and thirsty land. That was great. The fire was needed. The water was needed. It was all of God. But now God is actually going to work in the heart of the prophet bringer, the bringer of fire, the vessel of water, the one God used is now going to have his heart dealt with in a deep, deep way. And, and Elijah was a man of God, I'm telling you. But right now, something inside him was exposed and brought to the surface that you would have never have guessed, and he would have never have guessed was even there. This was a revival of the heart. Hallelujah. And, and look at the state he's in. He was undone. He was under that tree and he said, you know what, take my life, Lord. It's funny how men of God, and women of God, but men of God are these examples. Men deeply used by God often want to die. Moses asked God to take his life in Numbers chapter 11, verse 11. He said, it's too much, God. I can't cope with these people. I can't carry the burden that you've given me. The anointing isn't strong enough. But, well, the anointing was strong enough. Excuse me. What Moses was saying, my flesh is not strong enough. And I don't mean wicked flesh. I mean human flesh. Moses said, 
All right, you've given me the spirit. You've given me the anointing. You've given me the miracles. You've given me this rod of authority. But God, I, me, human Moses, can't cope with what you've given me to do. Take my life. Jonah said to God in Jonah chapter 4, verse 3, take my life. Jonah's like, look, I didn't want this in the first place. I didn't want to be a revival preacher. You know, usually the, re the real revival preachers don't even want to be. And those that want to be, want to be for the wrong reasons, for vain glory and success. But usually the real bringers of revival, if they had their own personal choice, they wouldn't be the bringers. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's absolutely true. And Jonah didn't want to preach repentance, didn't want, didn't want any, didn't care, just wanted to stay by himself, have a nice quiet life. Didn't want to go to these people. And then when he got there, via whale, and preached the gospel, the worst thing ever could happen, they all repented. Because at least if they hadn't repented, the fire would have fallen, and what he said would have come to pass. And he says, take my life. Take my life. And then God doesn't take his life, but takes the life of the tree with worms. <laughs> and that's even worse. Jonah says, well, you, didn't take, you won't take my life, you just take my shade. And there's something about Moses, and there's something about Elijah, and there's something about Jonah that is deeply human. Deeply human. It's the humanity of these three great prophets. Oh, did I mention Jeremiah? Jeremiah cursed the day of his birth in Jeremiah 2014. I mean, that's pretty, you've got to be pretty down to curse the day of your birth. You know, do you know, I wish I'd never lived, I wish, I never wish, well, when's your birthday, Bruce? Don't want to talk about it. No, when is your birthday? It's the 25th of December. It is actually. Just in case you thought I was like pretending that my birthday was on the same day as Jesus, it actually is, and so is Dave Wellington. When's your birthday, Bruce? The 25th of December. Oh, happy birthday. No. No, we won't be celebrating my birthday we'll, we, we, because we'll be wishing that I'd never been born. Is that how you really feel? Yeah, how do you feel like that? Because God told me to preach to the people and gave me a great mighty promise. What was that? That they wouldn't listen. What sort of God sends you to preach to people that won't listen and in fact will get even harder when you preach to them? Now, would you like to sign up for that ministry vocation? I think not. Job chapter 3, verse 1, he said the same. He went through all this and said, kill me, Lord. I've had enough. And so it's an insight. But it was at those points. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that God in this new movie is going to get us all suicidal. That's not my message. God's going to get you. We're going to have to have, you know, Samaritans with little phone point points all the way around the church. I'm not talking about, this is their humanness, you see what I mean? God was dealing them at a deep level. He'd allowed these things to happen to expose their heart, because God wasn't just interested in their message, in Moses' leadership, in the miracles, in the fire and the water. God actually was ultimately also interested in their hearts. God will never use you and abuse you. He'll use you, but you are special to him. I remember one of the moves of the 90s 
Anybody ever heard of the Toronto Blessing? And we had nights and nights here of God's blessing with us, and it was wonderful. And I was privileged enough to be sent by our senior minister with a group to Toronto. And uh, we went out there, and we were wild KT people. We were like, I'm going to roll on the floor. Should the Lord let me? I am going to do, I am going to shake. I'm going to rattle. I'm going to roll. I'm going to, and we were out there, and uh, I didn't get anything physical like that. And these meetings started about seven and finished about three in the morning. It's a long time to get nothing when everybody else is getting something, or so it seems. So I'd listen to the message, I'd rejoice, and I'd just sit there. Well, that's all right for one night, but on the fifth night, I got a bit like, what's the matter with me, Lord? Am I resisting you? Started to get, you know, uh, worried. Started to think something's wrong, you know. Maybe I'm not saved. I don't know what's going on. And then on the last day, during the day, we were all in a big line. And someone came up to pray for me. Some leader didn't know who I was. was a junior member of staff at that time. Just prayed for me and says, I see by the Spirit you're a minister. I said, that's correct. And he said, the Lord says to you, I can't quite remember. It's in my book, No More Law. I remember the exact words. But it, something like, the Lord says to you that it's you that he values and not your ministry. And that you are far more important to him than your ministry ever will be. Know that you are more important to the Lord than your ministry. And that hit me like a hammer breaking the rock. Because I understood that it wasn't about what I was going to do for the Lord. Well, praise the Lord for what we, we're here to do a job, aren't we? But actually, God wasn't concerned as much with what he could do through me as what he could do in me. I got something from Toronto. That was better than shaking and falling on the floor. Although I wish I had a bit of that too. I got some of that later in the right years. And so... This is the thing. Here, with these men of God and Elijah, here is the great revival. This is a heart revival. The fire, the rain, the power, the miracles, the preaching, the demonstration. But God saved the last revival uh, for, the, for the best. He saved a new wine to last. And there he is. And I love it. He's out for the count. And his humanness... And weakness is revealed. He wants to die. He's had enough. He's in fear of his, his life. He'd done his best. Felt that he'd failed. And um, was discouraged. Alone. Self-pity. All the negative aspects of him that had been hidden. While he was riding the crest of the anointing. All th This wasn't like... This was... This was as much Elijah as the one who said to the prophets of Baal, where's your God? Is he in the toilet relieving himself? In the boldness, eh? That was Elijah under the anointing. But now we've got everything, the deep insecurities, the fears, the brittleness of human life exposed before our eyes. And what does God do? He kicks him out of the ministry. No. He sends a ministering angel. And I love the intimacy of this. I mean, 
He's out for the count. He has spiritually fainted. The lights are off. There's no generating power. He has pulled the plug out from God, and he's as natural and as weak as any person. And he's uh, lying there, and because he's fainted, he's exhausted, he's tired. He's not just tired because he's run away. He's tired because what happens is when you get into fear and worry, it's exhausting. Have you ever been in a place where you're exhausted and there's no physical reason for you be, to be exhausted? It's just mentally, emotionally, it's just been too much and you've fainted. Do you know we all faint at times? We all spiritually faint at times. And uh, don't be discouraged if you faint. Just know that God, the, 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 the amount of fainting as you walk with the Lord gets less and less. Abraham fainted a few times. I mean, he got to the place when Romans 4, Romans 4, which R.T. Kendall says will be the chapter that launches the new revival. In Romans 4, it says that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. Well, to me, that's like you could say he fainted not at the promises of God. But he did to begin with. He had his Ishmael. That time... When the Egyptians said, oh, look, she's gorgeous about Sarah. And he thought, oh, my God. If they know that she's my wife, I'm going to get killed. Oh, yeah, meet my sister. And Sarah's like, what? Shut up. Meet my sister. Even though God had promised that in Sarah, his, Isaac would be born, what happened? He had a spiritual fainting. The, the anointing cut out. Fear entered his heart. And the lights went out. And he fainted, but God picked him up again. God picked him up. That will happen to us at times. Don't do weary of doing good. Don't faint. But if you do faint, don't worry. It's not over. I remember once when I had one of my spiritual fainting fits. You wouldn't have known about it, but I sure knew about it. And we all have our Elijah moments, <laughs> our Job moments, our... Uh, um, Moses moments and our um, what's his name whale person Jonah moments we all have our moments if you never had a spiritual faint it's because you're not walking with the Lord there's no challenges to make you faint I remember I had a spiritual faint just fainting when you faint your whole spirituality cuts out you don't read your Bible you don't pray you're not reaching out to the Lord you're self-pitying self-worrying full of fear, and I remember being in the middle of this thinking, I fainted again. I remember thinking to myself, I know what this is, I fainted again. What, was, what the trigger was, is usually a trigger, usually a trigger, something triggers it, and sometimes it can trigger it, and there's a delay, and then pow, it hits you and you fainted. It's usually a trigger, and I thought, I've, I've, oh, I fainted again. And I got a bit down, and you know, the sort of things that he's going through in, in our own sort of thing. And the Lord says, don't worry about it. I'm like, what do you mean, don't worry about it? I've fainted again. He said, don't worry about it. Refresh yourself. Stand back up. Keep on keeping on. Amen. And this is what happened to Elijah. I love it. As he lay and slept, suddenly an angel kicked him in the ribs. and says, get up, you big wimp. Well, how could you fall from the Lord so quickly? No, an angel came, isn't it beautiful? An angel came, touched him. 
just touched him. Knew what he was going through. It was the touch of grace, the touch of mercy. It was the touch of compassion and understanding. It was the touch of Jesus. And he didn't say, oh, here you go. You, you've let me down. He said, here, arise, eat. In this new move, God's going to do deep heart work. It's going to be good. But he's going to give you sustenance and strength to carry on. He's going to give new refreshing. He's going to give new manner. You're going to be eat of God's word and, and you're going to feast on the honey of God's word. And you're going to go in the strength of it miraculously. If you've been feeling weak, fainting, don't worry. Here comes the angel ministry. And there's going to be great angelic ministry in these days. Great angelic. That's what they're down here to do. They're here to minister to the saints. My goodness, they ministered to Jesus when he nearly fainted, and that was physically. After he'd been through all that with the devil, the Son of God himself, fasted and withstood the devil. Do you know when the devil came, was Jesus like, yeah, I am the Son of God, last man standing, World Wrestling, Spiritual Wrestling Federation World Champion. No, he wasn't. Jesus was exhausted because he was human too. When the devil left him because he defeated the devil in the wilderness, he was exhausted. You say, how do you know? Because angels had to come and do what they did to Elijah. Now, Jesus, hadn't, Jesus was still full of faith, but he was exhausted. I would have loved, I would love to see that. I would love to see these ministering angels ministering to the Son of God, strengthening him. Oh, that must be so wonderful. What an honor for the angels to come and strengthen the Son of God. Oh, what a beautiful, touching moment. That must have been the highlight of some of those angels' ministries. When the father said, go strengthen my son. Well, go strengthen Elijah. And he eats, but he falls asleep again. He's not quite recovered. God's patient with us, friends. God's patient. He's more patient with you than you are with yourself. You think, oh, I better get up and you fall down. And, oh, I'm still not there. And the angel revisits and says, come on now, arise and eat. The journey's too great. What God's got lined up for us in these days is too great. The ministry of discipleship, the vision that God's given us. I mean, if you look at what God has given us, if you look full into the vision of this house, if you don't have the anointing keeping you up, you're faint. And some people have fainted and are no longer with us. They fainted and thought, I'll go to a church where I won't faint again because there'll never be anything in front of me to cause me to faint. I'll never have to face something that might cause me. There'll be no... You know, if, the, if they're Jezebels there, they're nice. And so he strengthened him. And where did he strengthen him? You think, did he strengthen him with this food? And then, right, go back and sort Jezebel out. No, there was still more hard work to be done. He said, I want you to go to the cave, the mountain of God. We're going to go to the mountain of God. We're going to climb the mountain. Hallelujah. As if it was the first time we've ever climbed the mountain. We're going to climb it with praise and prayer, fellowship and obedience. 
We're going to climb it. When we get to the top, we won't be disappointed. God's cloud's going to be there. And so he goes into this cave, this dark cave, this place of alone. And God's working on him. And God's saying to him, what are you doing? I'm going to talk to you. And Elijah wants to complain, but God's not interested in his complaint. He's too busy healing him. Isn't it wonderful that God doesn't answer all our prayers? Good for Elijah. He prayed for fire. It came. He prayed for rain. It came. He prayed for death. It didn't come. In fact, isn't it amazing? The, the prophet that prayed for death never died. He never died. On the contrary, he was taken up in a chariot. I want to go like that. I don't think I'm going to, but I want to. I'm allowed to want to. And uh, he's there. And then it all comes. The fire, the noise, all of that. But Elijah's getting himself back. He's tuning back in. And... <laughs> If he had the charismatic church with him in that cave, my God, it would have been a funny thing to see. Because uh, if he had the charismatic ch church with him and uh, a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into the pieces before the Lord, the whole bunch of us would be out there going, the glory, the glory, the glory, look at this. We would be loving the crash, bang, boom power demonstrations. Did you get that on film for the TV program? Did you get that in the magazine? Whoa! And Elijah went, oh, God, God's not in this. God's not in this. And then an earthquake. My God, the charismatics would think it was their birthday, Christmas, Easter, all rolled into one. Look at the tremor. Get that on the rate. This is, look, this is it. This is it. This is it. But the man whose heart had been worked on said he's not in that. And then this is the beautiful thing. After the fire, a still, small voice. That's how God wants to lead us. By the still, small voice of the scriptures. The still, small voice of our brothers and sisters. The still, small voice that comes through the word of our disciples. The still, small voice of the Spirit. God doesn't want us to be led like donkeys and horses with a bit this way and that. If he has to do that, he will do it. He, he wants us to be led by the Spirit. He wants us. I love um, the British household cavalry. And I had a friend that was in the cavalry. And he, he got me tickets to go and see the Blues and Royals and everything. And one of the things is, the horses... Sometimes they have bridles and bits, but sometimes they have horses that they train. They don't have any um, reins. They have no bits in their mouth because they're lances and things like that, and they're carrying things. And I watched this, and the horses were just going wherever. The bit, but I thought, how are they? Because I ride horses. And then how, how can they do that? How can, how can these horses do all these things? Are they pre-programmed? And so I said to him, how did they do that? How did they do that? So well, we train these horses to be so sensitive that you just have to put a little bit of pressure on with your inner thigh, a little bit of pressure with your foot, just a little bit of pressure, and that pressure's enough to move them. And I thought, and God says, don't be like the horse with bit and bridle where I have to pull you this way. I've had some stubborn horses. 
I've been in an embarrassing situation where I was riding out with my son and we were, we were being led by our, our sort of like overseer who was the 13 year old girl who could do anything with the horse. So here I am, you know, in my 40s, but she's leading us. And then we get to this little tunnel that goes under the road and my horse won't go. And she says, give it a good kick. Well, I don't want to kick a horse. I'm not used to kicking animals, but so I'm like, and the horse, and the horse then sticks its head right down. So I'm over it like this, and it won't move. Give it a good kick. I give it a big kick, but I don't want to kick an animal. And then she says, I'll tell you what, let's swap horses. So this 13-year-old girl gets off her horse, and I get off my horse, and I'm all suited up like, do you know what I mean? I'm in the Olympics. I mean, I've got the hat, the, 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 the wax jacket. I've got the boots there. Jodpers, I got it all. I look like the business. I look like I should be in the cavalry. So I get off this horse that won't move. And then this little 13-year-old in jeans and Wellington boots with stars on it, pink stars on it, never forget that, jumps up on it. And she begins, I've never seen anything like it. She begins to kick that horse and get, and eventually it moves. And I thought, to my, I thought that's so embarrassing. I'm glad that only my son is here and even he's looking away. And I thought, imagine that horse, and yet the horse that needs no bit and bridle. Elijah, he knew what the Lord was in. And the Lord restored him, and guess what he did? He sent him back to deal with Jezebel. Glory to God. You see, whatever you faint before, you're going to have to face again. You can't go around it. You can't keep avoiding it. You're going to have to face it. Whatever has caused you or causes you to faint, God will will use it to work in your heart a work of faith, but you're going to have to get back and you're going to have to face it. But this time when you face it, it won't be you that's frightened of Jezebel. It'll be the dogs licking her blood in Jesus' mighty name. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Hallelujah. Jezebel is a picture of the devil. You're here tonight, and you have an opportunity now to give your life to the Lord. If you have not made a commitment to Jesus, you need to do it tonight. Because you're either for God or against Him. Tell you what, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. You can't get there through any other religion or no religion at all. It's not even a religion, it's a person, Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. If you're ready to come to the Son tonight, you're one prayer away from, from, from coming out of the clutches of Satan and hell into the arms of everlasting love of your Father. But you're going to have to pray and believe. So what do I have to believe? All you have to believe is this, that Jesus died for your sins on the cross, and on the third day, He rose again, and He's alive. That's all you have to believe. If you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth tonight, you're saved. With every head bowed, this is your opportunity for salvation. It's a free gift. But like every gift, you have to believe and receive it. Is there anyone here that you're ready to follow the Master? If that's you, with every head bowed, I want you to lift your hand and I'll pray for you. And you will go out this place saved, freed, and God will be with you. Where's your hand? Lift it up. Downstairs, upstairs. Anybody? Huh? Downstairs. Downstairs at the back. Yeah. 
upstairs. Where? Over on this side? Is there someone with a hand up? All right, John, you just let them know. Yeah, hand to the right. Anybody else? Now's your time. Might not get another chance. Yep, to the, okay. Another one there. Father, for those that lift their hands, lift it now. You're one step away from eternal security. Anybody else? Last time. Father, we thank you for those that have responded. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to end with a big celebration song. Lord, we thank you that, that this move is all about you. We're not in a hurry. We're not going to produce something that's not you. We're just going to, going to let you have your way in all the services, but especially on Sunday nights. Hallelujah. Bless us. Let the anointing that's turning us from caterpillars into butterflies go with us throughout this week, we pray. And never cease your work until you have transformed our hearts according to your plans and purposes. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to close together. Thank you. We're going to close together with a celebratory song. God bless you. Have a great week. See you next week. Deeper, deeper, deeper.